You're listening to the best of the day. And You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Bonzi's fit now. He's, he's hit his markers. He's, he's ready to go. Belgium's one of the best teams in the world, and Canada's not close to that at this moment, but... I think they can play with them. They're big underdogs, um, but what they've done over the last couple of years gives you real belief that they have a chance today, which which seems a, an incredible thing to say. Open wide for some soccer! Good morning, Vancouver. 601 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet 650. We are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. How are you? I'm doing very well. <laughs> Laddie, how are you? Hello, hello. For those of you that aren't streaming the Halford and Bruff show on the Sportsnet Now app, it Please is do it right now. It is very patriotic in the studio right now. I thought I was doing the business by getting a new hat. Yeah. I got a new hat. It's a Canada soccer hat. Well, there's a big game today, eh? There's a Canada soccer hat. I just love it right next to you because you look at Alfred, then you look at Bruff right next to him. Alfred looks like he did the minimum amount of patriotism to get in the door. Big soccer game today, eh? Where Jason, for those of you that can't see, resplendent head to toe. In the maple leaf, including a, uh, I'll call it a blazer, could Mm -hmm. be a suit jacket, who's to say, Uh, red with white maple leaves, and they are leaves, I suppose. And then the toque. And then a Canada toque. Mm -hmm. And then the coup de gras. That's French for coupe de grasse. It's his tie. He's wearing a red tie. The interesting part is he's not wearing a collared shirt. No, I forgot my collared shirt. Yeah. I, you look good. Yeah, you do. Look I'm good. I'm I'm excited for today. Okay? I, I I'm, can tell. I'm really excited. I haven't worn a toque for a while. It's getting a little bit hot. <laughs> it's it's like getting a little bit hot degrees. with the headphones on. Yeah, the, the you kin- know wear that for three hours, eh? <laughs> Kintech Studio not lacking for heat. Uh, we got a big show ahead today. Before we do anything, Jason, can you tell the fine folks about Kintech and their 1,500 plus five star Google? Oh reviews? yeah, yeah. Please stop doing that. Uh, we're coming to you live from the Kintech Studio, eh? Mm. Uh, it's Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, eh? Uh, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net, eh? Behind me is a hastily hung Canada flag. For those of you that can't see and think it might be a Polish flag or a Tunisian flag, because not much of it is visible, uh, it is indeed a Canada flag. The reason we are doing all of this, the reason we're doing the patriotism, is it has finally arrived Wednesday, November 23rd, 2022, 36 years since Canada last participated in a FIFA World Cup match. It will happen today at 11 o'clock from Qatar. It is Belgium. It is Canada. I am very excited. You're very excited. Dogs, are you very excited? You guys probably haven't been able to sleep at all. Oh, I haven't slept a wink. Yeah. I just so, wanted to see what Bruff is going to be wearing today. That was that was the really draw. Really, that. that was the big draw. I yeah. did sleep a wink, but just a wink. That's good. Just a wink. Uh, we have a big show ahead. 6.30, David Amber, uh, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host is going to join us. It is a busy, busy night in the National Hockey League. This is yet again one of these terrific sports days. Remember, we, we talked when we were looking forward to a Winter World Cup. We just realized how many of these great individual sports days there's going to be. Unlike last night, by the way, I was so desperate I watched the end of the Grizzly-Sacramento Kings game. You did watch that one. Did you see him trash-talking the free throws at the end? That was that was a good game. Um, <laughs> I meant it sarcastically, oh, but I did watch it. I watched a bit of it. Um, it was a lot of free throws. There was. Uh, we It's a busy night in the NHL. 15 games, including the Canucks and Avs. 7 o'clock puck drop from Colorado. Reminder, you can hear all the pregame and the call here on Sportsnet 650, your home of the Canucks. 7 o'clock, we're going to go to Qatar for the second consecutive day. Sportsnet's Peter Galindo is going to join us. The lineups for Canada and Belgium won't be out by the time Peter's on the show, but we will look back at a big result for the group this morning as Morocco and Croatia went nil-nil, a goalless draw which is actually, all things considered, a pretty good result for Canada, really a pretty good result for the competitiveness of the group. It kind of means that it's more likely that a four-point team will qualify mm-hmm. because of that opening draw. Doesn't it also mean that, uh-oh, Morocco's pretty good too? Well, that was the down part of all of this. Is for <laughs> those of you thinking that it's a, and it is, I guess, a slight betting 
favorite having drawn in a match in, in Croatia. The underdog did get a result, but the underdog might not be an underdog for long in this group because Morocco looked pretty solid in that match. So Peter Galindo at 7 o'clock to break all that down. 7.30, Connor McGahee, play-by-play voice of the Colorado Avalanche, tonight's opponent for the Vancouver Canucks. Obviously, we'll talk about with Connor. And then at 8 o'clock, we'll get the Canucks side of things tonight. Uh, we'll also go back to Denver, talk to Dan Murphy, Sportsnet's very own. Uh, we'll set up this game tonight, which the Canucks are looking to somehow rebound from another multi-goal lead blown against the Knights, Golden Knights last time out. So working in reverse, 8 o'clock, it's Murph. 7.30, it's Connor McGahee. 7 o'clock, it's Peter Galindo. 6.30, it's David Amber. Uh, what's happening tonight? I mentioned Canada-Belgium, 11 a.m. The other World Cup matches, Croatia-Morocco's already done. Nil-nil draw there. Germany and Japan are at half. Germany's up 1-nil there. Costa Rica and Spain. It's going to be the match prior to Canada. That one goes at 8 a.m. Uh, 12 NBA games tonight, so you can watch some NBA if you're so desperate again, Jason. That's on tonight as well. But the big story of the day, of course, is that it is the watch party for us. It is the World Cup opener for Canada, and it happens all at 11 o'clock. A reminder, we're going to be on the air from 10 to 11 across the Sportsnet radio network for a national Sportsnet soccer show preview in Canada and Belgium. Our show begins at 10. The match kicks off at 11. Okay. I'm almost out of breath. I'm very excited. That was a lot to get through. Dogs, uh, let's tell everybody what happened yesterday. Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. Oh, what happened? I missed all the action because I was... We know how busy your life can be. What happened? Miss that? You missed that? What happened? So we want to lead off in a little bit of a different way. Normally we come in, do what happened, run through everything that happened the night before in terms of results, wins, losses, draws, etc. But... Uh, you really, you captured the vibe here, Jason. You captured the vibe of Tuesday. I think you captured it fairly well. When I actually did some prep for the show, yes. that was the vibe. Because um, I read through this. I didn't know what, what direction it was going. Mm-hmm. But then I read it, and I'm like, yep, Tuesday, a day of sports nervousness. Yeah, what happened yesterday? I felt nervous, and I felt excited. And i got to admit, it's such a good feeling to be excited about a big sports event when you actually have an emotional investment in it. Uh, sports fans in Vancouver haven't been able to feel that enough in the last few years. I felt it a handful of times. And oddly enough, this is the funny thing. Mostly my sports nervousness has been felt in soccer. Hmm. Whether it's been the Canadian women at the Olympics. Yep. Remember that morning? I do. How I exciting that was. When I called an Olympic match. Yeah, illegally too. Yeah. Um, I got in trouble. England at the Euros, for me, was a big deal. England getting to the final against Italy, and I'm sure a lot of people in Vancouver, even the Italian supporters who are taking this World Cup off, um, they they felt that nervousness. And and I think, obviously, for all of us, Canada's World Cup qualifying games. But I don't know if anything will reach the level of today because this is something that you and I have spoken about Probably since we started our sports radio careers, yes, and people have talked about like you know, would you would you rather you know the Canucks win the Stanley Cup or Canada win the World Cup, and 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 we'd have all these sorts of conversations, and and for the most part, we've been like, Canada's probably not going to get to a World Cup in our lifetimes. That it it has been that sort of discussion mm-hmm. because Canada has been down for so many. Years and I, I just actually like to throw it out to the listeners right now. Are you nervous? Are you sp- what we call there's we have sports happiness, we yes. have sports nervousness, sports are sadness. you sports? Yeah, we have sp- a lot of sports sadness. Um, and if you are super excited, when was when were you when was the last time you were this excited for a game? Mm-hmm. So we talk mostly Canucks on this show, that is. You know, no secret to anyone, that is the one team we cover the hardest and arguably too much, right? Some would say. In the last decade, the Canucks haven't played many big games with stakes in them. There was the bubble. We sure talk about the bubble a lot. But even then, for me, I'm not speaking for anyone else, for me, it wasn't the same. There are no fans there. It just seemed different. There was something off. I watched the games. I did get excited at times, but it wasn't like it wasn't like 2011 or or even the years before that when, you know, you'd be like 
sleepless yeah. the night before. You'd be so excited, and and everyone would have the car flags up around the city. There was just that that buzz. I don't think we got that. Yeah. In uh in the bubble, uh. So I'm just t- I'm throwing it out to the listeners right now. What are you guys feeling right now? Uh, I get that not all of you are soccer fans, but even the non-soccer fans, I bet you're excited. I hope you're excited because this is going to be really cool. So text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We want to hear from you today on this big day. And also, mm-hmm. I want to know, what are your expectations? What are your expectations for Canada at the World Cup? Last time they went, 1986, very exciting, obviously. Mm-hmm. Didn't score a goal. Didn't score a goal, obviously didn't get a point, didn't win a match. They, look, 86, let's be real, the World Cup and winning their version of the World Cup was getting to the World Cup. I mean, that was such an achievement for that group of ragtag, unattached, unaffiliated players. You went through the roster yesterday and you were having a chuckle because so many of the guys that went to Mexico in 86 didn't have club teams. They were just hanging around, just training and trying to stay fit. There was no Alfonso Davies on that team. No, they weren't drawing from guys participating in Champions League. They were participating in the local city Champions League, mm. if anything. And I don't want to diminish the efforts of those guys, but... No, it made it almost more impressive, it made frankly, it more that, endearing. They were, that they were able to get to that World Cup. Um, some people texting in here, it sounds like you are expecting a result if you are that nervous. I'm not nervous because I'm not near as optimistic as you. Okay, let me explain why I'm nervous. I'm mostly excited, but here's why I'm nervous. I just want Canada to show well Mm. on the world stage. It's not that I need them to win. I know how big an underdog they are, not to get a result off Belgium today, just to get out of this group. That is not my expectation for Canada. Yeah. I just want them to be at their best. Yes. It almost feels like I was trying to think of a, of, of a, of a comparison to this feeling. Remember when we hosted the Olympics here in Vancouver and there were all those eyes on us and we were just kind of like, Hey, don't embarrass yourself. Right. Like please, di- just please like me ju- or yeah. Or please just, like yeah, just, just, just show yourself like, Bring it like you know we can. Do you want to right? see the steam clock? Will you be my friend if you see the steam clock? Well, listen, it didn't start off well. No, it certainly didn't. The not. Olympics didn't start off well. There was that tragic death there uh, on the on the, the bobsled track uh, luge. Um, the the weather wasn't great. There were headlines coming out in Europe like worst Olympics ever. Remember the uh, opening ceremony when that arm didn't go up? There was like four. Mm-hmm. Mechanical arms, I think. It was a great start to And the then one of them didn't were. get, like, and then like Gretzky's riding around in the back of a pickup truck. We're like, oh my God, like this is, I like, I don't want that start for Canada at the World Cup. Yeah. I'll be honest with you, it almost feels like I've got imposter syndrome as a sports fan. Does that make sense? Do you know, ex- explain, please. Well, do you know what an impost- imposter syndrome is? Is Where when you feel you, like you don't belong? When you make it somewhere, mm-hmm. right? Like a lot of people will describe it as if they get their dream job. Right. And they're having this success and they're looking around at all the other people around them and going like, I don't, I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Because maybe they never expected to sure. get to that point. So they're there. Like it is a real thing. It's a, I don't know, Google. It's a, a imposter syndrome. The Canadian men just have not belonged at tournaments like this. You mentioned 86. They were not really on the same level. They're the only team there that didn't score a goal. Um, And remember, that was the World Cup when Maradona was the best player. That was a very famous World Cup in hindsight. A lot of things happened there. Gary Lineker for for England scored a bunch of goals there. That was the Hand of God tournament. And then then you had Canada. It's regarded as right? one of the greatest World Cups of all time. Yeah. Because Canada was there, obviously. No, but Canada was a bit participant and a footnote in the tournament. It was huge for Canadian soccer, but in the grand scheme of things, it was irrelevant. If you look at a lot of the international uh, media outlets that are covering this, they're half taking Canada as a curiosity yet again, and that's how a lot it's being positioned. Uh, some are, and rightfully so, are suggesting that this could be a plucky, young, fast, upstart team, and that is because of what they did In qualifying, you have to remember, Canada didn't just eke its way in to the World Cup. They won this on merit. They were the top qualifying team from CONCACAF. 
and then up until the late stages of qualifying, ran through undefeated with only wins and draws. So it's a very, very different landscape compared to 86, and I think that's why we are feeling this. I'll also say this. Part of the reason for the sports nervousness and the sports anxiousness from me, and I've seen this play out over the last 48 hours especially, the media coverage and the amount of time and effort and resources from a Canadian perspective being poured into this team in this World Cup, mm-hmm. it's unparalleled in the history of the sport in this country. We played a couple of things. Remember when they qualified in 86 and they came back and had the quote-unquote parade? Yeah, there was no one there. There was nobody there. It wasn't a big it deal in whatsoever. Vancouver. Nobody yeah. showed up. It wasn't they a big deal. had a friendly at BC Place. Nobody showed up. It was not a big deal whatsoever just because it didn't resonate with the public. And I think this has a lot to do with it was a different time. It was a different era. Different you di- coverage. You didn't have the wealth of coverage at your fingertips that you do. But I've been watching this. And this, is ta- this story for a lot of different media outlets in Canada has taken center stage. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that this is so much different than 86 because this isn't just a team going on a really cool field trip to the <laughs> desert. And they're not and it's they're not just happy to be there and it's because they've got again, you want to talk about the differences from 86. They're drawing on a player pool where guys are coming from Bayern and coming from Porto and there's four players playing in Champions League. If you go back to that 86 team, there was about four or five guys just barely playing in the lower fringes of Europe. Now, when you talk about expectations with this group, it's very hard not to get excited in light of what happened yesterday. Because I don't know if what happened yesterday can resonate today, but we really cannot put into proper perspective how big an upset Saudi Arabia defeating Argentina in both teams' term and opener was. Argentina is the number three country in the world, FIFA ranked. Belgium's number two, so there's some parallels there. The Saudis were the second lowest ranked team going into this tournament. They were only ahead of Qatar. And that matchup right now, there's a bunch of different of those sort of like, uh, what's Nate Silver's 538, the, Whatever, st- the yeah. statistical companies yeah. that have said that this is indeed, based on a variety of metrics, the biggest upset to ever occur in a World Cup. Even bigger, and I don't know how they came up with this, but <laughs> dating back to 1950, when the Americans beat the U.S., mm-hmm. they were given a nine... Americans beat England. Sorry, did I say the Americans beat U.S.? I'm excited. Americans beat England in 1950. The Americans had a 9.5% chance. They had the Saudis at eight point seven percent. Right to be so fast. That forward, seems high, actually, even at eight point seven percent. I guess you have to give everyone a kicker's chance. Yeah, one in ten in the man. match, but it is it, it leaves the possibility open of the magic and the drama and that belief that literally anything can happen in the group stages. And that's what you're. That's what we're going with with Canada today. Because if you take a step back and look at this logistically, there's no reason that Canada should compete with. Belgium. Belgium has such a far superior talented team. Mm-hmm. They've also been battle tested. They've gone to two consecutive World Cups and have won all of their group stage matches. They won all three in 2014. They won all three in 2018. It is a gulf, a gulf in terms of experience and talent between the two sides. But the same could be said of what happened with Saudi Arabia and Argentina. Yeah. Now, that I don't know how many people watched that match because it was on at 2 o'clock in the morning, but a lot of things broke the Saudis' way. Right, They had three goals, three Argentinian goals disallowed in a span of 13 minutes for offside. Mm -hmm. So if any of those were even a fraction closer, we're talking about a match that is probably over in the first half. But things broke their way, and that's also the magic of the tournament. Because you don't need to be better, if you're Canada, you don't need to be better than Belgium over the course of a seven-game series. You don't need to beat them four out of seven. You don't need to go home and away. You need to be better than them for 90 plus 1,000 minutes, apparently, based on what's going on in this tournament. But you need to be better than on one day. And that could coincide with Belgium being flat, Belgium not having their finishing boots on, any of that. So I've got – I can't even put my finger on what the expectations are. All I know is that I got a lot of sports nervousness, a lot of sports anxiousness, largely because we had to prep two shows today, not just one. but <laughs> A lot of work anxiety. And I, yeah, and I didn't, I, didn't sleep, I didn't sleep much last night because I've been waiting a long time for this. I'm 43 years old. Mm-hmm. The last time Canada went to World Cup, I was seven, and I have no recollection of it whatsoever. So for me, how much I love the sport and how much I wanted to succeed in the country, I got a ton of sports anxiousness, and I'm really excited about today. Uh, the Canucks have a game tonight. Also those guys. In Colorado against the defending Stanley Cup champs. 
Uh, a couple tweaks to the lineup. They did practice yesterday. I didn't think they'd practice, but they did practice uh, yesterday, and then I guess they flew out after that. There were a couple tweaks to the lineup, uh, including Curtis Lazar skating as a center between Garland and Besser. So there's a line we haven't seen yet. And Bruce Boudreaux was saying, that, listen, don't read too much into these practice lines. So I guess they could change back tonight. He just wanted to see Curtis Lazar as a center. I'm going to read something into it. I think they're going to have Curtis Lazar as a center tonight, and Sheldon Dries will be the healthy scratch. Now, Garland moves down to that line. Hoaglander took Garland's spot on the top line with Horvat and Miller, and it was kind of funny. Bruce Boudreaux was asked um, um, something along the lines of, why does Hoaglander and Miller and Horvat work and he's like I, I don't know because we haven't seen it work yet yeah right you know yeah. and I think basically the reporter was trying to ask like why do you think this 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 could work so we'll see about this this is a heck of an opportunity for Nils Hoaglander though um Riley Stillman is still in the lineup he sure is he's on and, a pair with uh, Tyler Myers and uh I don't I'm not normally this guy that's like constantly questioning the coaches lineup decisions um you know we've we've had we had a lot of that with Travis Green and Willie Desjardins and sure. there was a lot of there was a lot of takes that really weren't I didn't feel like people were t- taking the whole equation in like they were like why is this guy in and the answer would be like well he kills penalties right and if you take him out then who's going to kill penalties there was a lot of that right and why like you got to play the kids like well the kids aren't ready yeah but right now, I do not, for the life of me, understand the decision to keep going with Stillman over not Jack Rathbone, over Kyle Burroughs. I think I Kyle Burroughs offers a lot to this group. He's physical. He battles. The you know the, he was uh, Bruce Boudreaux was talking yesterday about like we got to win the battles in the blue paint. Well, I would take Kyle Burrows in those battles over Riley Stillman. So I was trying to find out. I was like, I was like, oh, maybe I'm missing something on the analytics. I went back, uh, looked at the natural stat trick last night. That's you what I was not. doing last night. Yeah. And I'm like, the numbers for Stillman are terrible. The underlying numbers are awful. The only thing I can get with this guy, and I'm not going to get too excited about Riley Stillman on a day like this, but uh-huh. the only thing I can get with this guy is that he's left-handed. Well, that's probably it. <laughs> you know, it would be you could. There would be a good argument to put Burroughs in the lineup if Stillman was just holding his own on the blue line because Burroughs showed well in the time that he did play, and he's been a healthy for an awfully long time, and the team's been losing. There's so even put it this way: even if Stillman was just doing his job and not getting occasionally caved in, you could still make the argument that Burroughs should be in. With Stillman struggling, it seems like a layup, other than the fact that he's the wrong hand. And if that's the case, I do wonder at what point you throw up your, sorry for the pun, hands and say, what are we doing here? Because if wins are important, and honestly, staying in the lineup on merit mm-hmm. is important, then you make the change already. Like, again, I'm not one of those guys either that is trying to get in the heads of the co- I mean, who knows what's going on behind the scenes? Is this even a Boudreaux decision? Is he getting a call from a higher authority saying this is, this is a guy that needs to play? I'm not just throwing all these possibilities and speculation out there. None of it verified. But it just doesn't make a lot of sense for a team that's losing games. I mean, yeah, you stick with a winning lineup, but not one that is consistently conceding and bleeding goals at a rapid pace. One that has lost far more games than it's won and, quite honestly, hasn't really looked good for a long stretch of time. I mean, the the other chain, you switch up your lines, you ascend some guys up the lineup, but the blue line remains um, still intact. It's bizarre to me. I don't really get it. I like this text. Do you have the same sports nervousness for the Canucks game? No. I haven't had sports nervousness for the Canucks in a long time. I hate to admit that. The stakes are pretty I low haven't. right now for the Canucks. Like, the I last, know they're high for that. Yeah. But. When was the last time the Canucks had a big game? I was going to say, I get sports nervousness when JT Miller has the puck on his stick in the defensive zone. Yes. Yeah. That would, so do his teammates. Different kind of sports nervousness. Yeah. I, have a, I have a lot of sports disdain sometimes for watching the Canucks. Yep. That's a new, that's a new one. Sports apathy. Lots of sports apathy. Spapathy. Okay. I like yeah. that. I'm going to workshop that one. It doesn't roll off the tongue. <laughs> uh, before we go to break, we need to do a soccer report brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed. 
pro all the way. So we mentioned it this morning. Pretty good result for Canada's group in that Morocco and Croatia drew nil-nil. Ah, yes, soccer, the scoreless draw. That happened this morning. So as far as the group goes, no one runs away at the start with the three points. The downside of that is that Morocco proved that it is more than for real in this group, and it's going to be extremely difficult. Right now, we are at the 63rd minute from Qatar between uh, Japan and Germany. Germany is up 1-0 on an Ilke Gundogan penalty in the first half. Uh, Germany also had a goal taken back for VAR late in the first half. So it's 1-0 Germany. The ball there. hit a camera, um, and then the camera exploded. Yes. That's Very rare in soccer. Now. And then yeah. the coach challenged, which we didn't even know you were allowed to do in international football, but here we are. So, And I mentioned VAR because of what happened in the Saudi Arabia-Argentina match from yesterday. Three, count them, three goals disallowed by Argentina. I don't know if you saw any of the disallowed goals, but we're talking the two players, like the Argentinian attacker and the Saudi defender were lined up, but then the Argentinian's arm was extended. Yeah. He was literally offside by an arm or a leg. They were so close. We had a group chat with some of our buddies, and someone texted in and said, uh, "said I can't believe in soccer you can be put offside by your upper body. Your nose? And, th and then we were joking, yeah. like, our stomachs would put us offside in, like, every there's scenario. A, there's a lot of beer leaguers that would have to be sucking in their guts <laughs> just... <laughs> Just to get on the sheet. Um, so another thing with regards to the soccer report, locally, as you know, today at 11 o'clock, we're going to be at the Hollywood Theater on Broadway in beautiful Kitsilano in Vancouver for the Canada-Belgium watch party. We're going to give away four tickets. We got access to four tickets. So for the best what we learned today, we're going to give away four tickets. If you want to go and be in attendance today, 11 o'clock from the Hollywood Theater, we have four tickets, which we'll give away to the best what we learned. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Get them in, hashtag them WWL, and add a ticket emoji, and you'll be entered into the grand prize draw. Also, we just got word from the Hollywood Theater that a limited release of tickets will be made available to the general public via show pass today at 9 a.m. 9 a.m. I think it's going to be about 75 tickets. Capacity 650. A lot of tickets are already out the door. If you would like to get some 9 a.m. show pass, you can go to the Hollywood Theater website. Uh, you can go to the Whitecaps website because it's White, Whitecaps House today. Check it out. So there is your soccer report brought to you by CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed Pro all the way. Coming up, for those of you that are completely glazed over with the footy talk, we're going to go to David Amber, Sportsnet, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL reporter and analyst and host. He is going to join us ahead of a night in the NHL where 15 games, 30 teams are going to participate in the action, including the Canucks and Avs at 7 o'clock from Denver. Lots more to get to. Don't go anywhere. It's the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the best of the day. Halford and Bruff. Not like they don't spend the money on the Canucks. They're up against the cap, but you're at the bottom of, of, of the league. If you're Columbus and you have 20, 25 million in, in cap space, who, who cares? Because that's where you end up. You're at a disadvantage. But, but you, you're getting paid. You're getting paid handsomely. You've got to find a way. It's that simple in my opinion. 6.34 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford, Bruff, Sportsnet, 6.50. Alfred and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer today. Uh, we will get to David Amber in just a moment here. Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet, NHL host. Uh, that audio you just heard was from yesterday right here on Sportsnet 650. Former Vancouver Canuck Yannick Hansen talking about the current plight of the team. The Canucks are in action tonight, 7 o'clock. Note the start time from Denver. 7 o'clock. From Denver, it's the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche hosting the Canucks in a night that has 15 NHL games. Joining us to break all of it down, our good buddy David Amber from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you? 
Good. Busiest uh, night of the NHL season, I believe, right? 15. I don't think they ever do 16. I don't know why they just don't say everyone. Let's everyone get in the pool. But instead, 30 or 32, we'll take it. There's always that night where there's two teams where the NHL looks at them and is like, not you. And then not you, but everyone else gets to go play. But that this is one of those yeah. nights. One of those teams, the Vancouver Canucks, who and it seems every time we talk, David, it's like, ah, the Canucks are in a bad way right now. It's been like that every week, and it continues to. Although now we are kind of get rumblings that there might be some reaching out to coaches. I know our colleague, I can call him that, can I? Our colleague, Elliot Friedman, in the most recent 32 Thoughts said, quote, I believe the Canucks have talked to some potential coaches, but not sure there's a timeline to make a move. I don't know if you're fully aware of this road trip that's coming up, David, but it's the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche tonight. Then it's Vegas. Then it's San Jose in a back-to-back. That very well could be the timeline for Bruce Boudreaux because that's three really tough games for the Canucks beginning tonight in Denver. Yeah, you know, it's he almost can just like go back and play back our conversations from the last three times I've been on your show. It's You know, we're sort of in this holding pattern and it just, you know, it goes from bad to worse. I, I was I was in on Monday night, and, you know, the Canucks go down 2-1. to one, um, And we actually were on our way home after the second intermission of the Canucks game. And I get home, and I'm like, wow, the Canucks are up 4-2. to two. <laughs> What a comeback. Like, I'm all like, this is amazing. Uh, I go, like, put on some pajamas, brush my teeth, <laughs> come back out, and it's 5-4. Vegas and I'm like oh my god so uh, it, it's yeah I mean we're just wait we're in a holding pattern here and and I, I feel bad for the players I feel bad for Boost Boudreau I feel obviously very bad for the fans um, as well you know having said that there's some guys who just you know part of part of the problem is the makeup of the team part of the problem is some guys have been underperforming and you know, and that's and that's been a problem. I mean, it's been tough. It's been tough sledding. So something's got to give when expectations aren't met, you know, in a results-oriented business like professional sports, then decisions have to be made. And, and we're all kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Do you think Jim Rutherford's comments, and let's call them brutally honest, according to Jim Rutherford, uh, do you think those comments might have negatively affected the team? I don't know. I mean, these guys are professionals. They're in Vancouver. I mean, what haven't they heard at this point, right? Like, True. Think about the players who've been there four, five, six, eight years. Like, this is, you know, it's just another day, right? I, I, I'm based in Toronto. It's the same thing here. You talk to the players, you talk to the coaches, and they're, they can't be caught up with what's being said. Internally, I'm sure it might have weighed on some guys minds you know we had Luke Gadzik on our show a couple of weeks ago and he said if you're a player and he went through this in Edmonton they went through four coaches in three years in Edmonton and he said you kept walking in every day and you were just like what's going to happen next what's going to happen next so yeah I, I think to a certain point they're only human they're going to listen to these things but you know once the puck drops it should be what am I doing how am I going to be professional how am I going to perform you know let's face facts you know Thatcher Demko's had a very tough start to this season JT Miller has not been the JT Miller of a year ago that was getting MVP consideration for some period of time. I mean, JT Miller was a top 10 player in the NHL last year, not just by points, but by how he impacted games. And, you know, this year that hasn't been the case for whatever reason. So I, I just, I don't think we can put this all on Jim Rutherford or put this on Bruce Boudreaux at the end of the day. You know, these guys are professionals and you look at the individual parts and you say, there's a lot of good individual parts here. And it hasn't added up to what it should be. The sum of the parts hasn't been as good as it should be. Yes, this is a flawed team. Yes, the blue line isn't as deep as it should be. You know, yes, the scoring depth and, and you know, their bottom sticks isn't as great as other teams. But, I mean, when you still look at these individual parts and you say, you know, how many people are living up to their expectations on an individual level? You know, there's a handful. Certainly, Bo Horvat's been sensational, and we've seen flashes from other players. And, and Luke Shen's been playing out of his mind for you know, for, for what, you know, the expectations might be for what he can deliver. But, you know, by and large, a lot of the players, this has to fall on their shoulders as well. So uh, change is coming. We're just, I guess, going to sit back and wait until those decisions are made. So the situation in Toronto has been a little bit different in that the Leafs have had a lot of regular season success, but no playoff success. And I think um, it's safe to say that both markets have their share of negativity at times and that grates on the players' Um, 
Has there been any talk in Toronto, because there has in Vancouver when it relates to players like Horvat and Pedersen, that some of these top-line players, when they get the opportunity, they might choose to go play somewhere else? Like, they might just be tired of it? I mean, Austin Matthews has a contract decision soon. Uh, I know Mitch Marner seems like... Sometimes it seems like Mitch Marner would rather not play in Toronto and that he has this attitude of everyone's out to get him. Um, and I just wonder if that's been kind of like the, the negativity adds up and eventually they come to the conclusion. They're like, ah, I just want to go somewhere else. It's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't say it's as linear as that. And what I mean by that is for some players, this isn't for them. For some players, and we saw this in Calgary, Johnny Gaudreau, made a lifestyle decision. I don't think he made a hockey decision going to Columbus. I want to go to a place where there's not going to be the heat. There's not going to be the intensity. I can go to the grocery store. I can go to the movie theater. People aren't going to bother me. I'm going to have my money. You know, he left, what, $15 million on the table. You know, that type of heat isn't for Johnny Goodrow, and that's his decision. Um, I think certain guys, when they come to Toronto, embrace that. Nazem Kadri loved it. He loved being in this firestorm. Um, you know, time will tell, you know, when decisions have to be made when it comes to an Austin Matthews. Um, one thing I'll say about Austin Matthews is when you hear players say, well, I don't really listen to the media and all that, I actually believe it with him. I don't think he gives a flying whatever, what I'm saying, what you're saying, yeah. what anyone in the media is saying. I really don't think he cares. And above and beyond that, something that happened earlier this year, it was the night the Canucks were in town, when they brought out Borea Salming. Um, you know, a Leaf legend from the 1970s, early 80s. And I think a lot of players witnessed that, um, you know, you know, the ceremony, including Austin Matthews. And I think there's a recognition and an understanding, and I would say this about Vancouver as well. If you can find success in a Canadian market and imagine winning a championship, you will be revered and held at a stature Far, that far exceeds anything in the U.S. market. It just, that's just the, you take the good with the bad. Uh, you have an opportunity to be a national icon in this country at this point. I mean, the Sedins are loved in Vancouver. Imagine if Game 7 against Boston had gone the other way. It would be a whole nother level of adulation for, for, for them, for Luongo, you know, for Kevin DX and the whole crew. Same here in Toronto. If if somehow Marner and Matthews and Tavares and these guys could lead the Leafs, you know, even to a couple of rounds at this point, uh, they will they will face fandom like they would not face anywhere else in the National Hockey League. And we saw that uh, the history of it with bringing out Borja Salmin and how you know the respect and love he was shown. So I think that that does weigh in decisions and that does impact some people's decisions do they want to be part of something that could be incredibly special or do you want to take the safer route or the easier route and you know time will tell how, how some of these players feel we're speaking of sports that's david amber here on the halford and brush show on Sportsnet 650 uh you know david we talk about uh, very similar things week after week with you as it pertains to the canucks and then one thing that we don't talk about enough but we always say we don't talk about enough is the Winnipeg Jets, and I we've mm -hmm. completely overlooked their start to the year. When we focus on the Canadian teams, we're on the Leafs and the Oilers and the Flames and then a little bit of the Senators because that's a tire fire. But if you look at the best team in Canada right now based on points percentage, that is indeed Winnipeg, 11-5-1 with a 676 um, points percentage. It is a remarkable, remarkable start to the season for them. And one, I don't think a lot of people were expecting after kind of a – uncelebrated coaching change and then the stripping of the captaincy. And my word, Japan just went up 2-1 on Germany. So that's a big result there. Holy cow. Uh, wow. so there's, a, there's a lot going on wow. right now. I'll tell you what. Hey, uh, let's hope for some more upsets later today, right? Yeah, this is – not to hijack the entire conversation here, but in terms of the betting line on this, Japan was as big of an underdog as Canada will be today against Belgium well, going can, into this Canada match. beat Japan. Well, Canada beat Japan in their final friendly. And there are looks of stunned, stunned silence on the face of the Germans right now. Anyway, wow. ba back to Winnipeg. Back to Winnipeg. <laughs> Sorry, Winnipeg. This is going to be a tough act to follow for you, <laughs> but we'll try anyway. Um, the Jets are off to a terrific start. I'm sure you guys have been paying attention, but are you as guilty as we are of not maybe paying enough attention to the Jets? Yeah, I mean, I, I think what's happened here is, yeah, they, they've flown under the radar, 
And it, and I have watched the Jets. In fact, one of the craziest finishes I've seen all season happened Monday, where the Jets had a three nothing lead with five minutes left against Carolina. Rod Brindamore had seen enough of his team, basically completely, you know, neutralized and 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 uh, neutered for the whole, you know, fifty five minutes offensively. They had nothing going on, so he pulled the goalie with five forty left to go in the third. Scores three goals. The Jets end up winning in overtime. It was a it was a crazy game. I have been keeping an eye on the Jets. I think maybe what's tempered a little bit of the celebration and we should be celebrating how well they've done especially without Nick Ehlers who's out you know now for an extended period of time uh is that Connor Hellebuck has been he'd be right there for the Vesna right now like he's been a top one two three goalie and you shouldn't be embarrassed because goaltending is part of the, of the team but you have to wonder how much has that masked any of the issues with the Jets I will say Rick Bonus has been the perfect coach for that group structured uh, they seem to be much happier going to the rink. They just seem to be in a better frame collectively as a group, um, you know. And and kudos to, you know, it was a pretty ballsy situation, right? You roll in your Rick bonus. The very first conversation he has with Blake Wheeler is, yeah, we're taking the C off of you, right? Like that, that's pretty, mm-hmm. that's pretty ballsy. Um, and that could have gone either way, and, and it seemed to have worked. You know, Mark Scheifele's having a great bounce back here, and the defense looks, you know, much better than it had been in previous years. I just wonder, again, you know, you're going to get great goaltending from Hellebuck. That's part of the team. But how much are you going to have to rely on him? Maybe kind of like how Vancouver was relying on Demko. Maybe too, they were too reliant on him for a while. You want to have great goaltending, but you don't want to have, have to have great goaltending every single night. So maybe that's tempered things a bit. But you're absolutely right. We should be keeping a close eye on the Jets. We should be celebrating how, how well they're doing. I come on. Your show, you know, and I've been on, you know, for, for a while now, and I've said, oh, my God, it's just been so long. It's been now 30 years since you've had a Stanley Cup champion in Canada. We need a Canadian team, any team to step up. I've always said that. And you're right. Maybe the Jets are, are the closest thing Canada has to a Stanley Cup contender as we sit here now on, you know, November 20, whatever it is, 3rd or 4th. Um, you know, I'm not sure that's going to be the case in May. Right. But right now the Jets are a team to be to, to rally around. Because you look at the standings, and, I mean, I'll be frank – you be David. I'll be frank. It's just kind of like all the Canadian teams outside of Winnipeg. Toronto's done well to hold its head above water with all the injuries that they've had. Mm-hmm. But I would say, for the most part, Calgary's start to the season has been a disappointment, especially given the expectations after all the trades and acquisitions. Edmonton's yeah. been a bit flat, and they've had injury problems as well. I think Vancouver's pretty well documented about how bad it's been here. Montreal, there weren't really any expectations going in. There have been a 500 team, and that's above expectations. Ottawa's been uh, a disaster. They may have been the worst of the lot outside of Vancouver. And it's funny now, if you go to the province of Ontario, the two teams, you know, given their starts of the season, all the talk with the Leafs is how are they going to fix this defense that's been so decimated by injury? And then in Ottawa, it's how much longer does DJ Smith have in charge? Because he is incredibly under fire right now. Yeah, it's been it's been a mess. I was just saying this yesterday. It's been under, you know, the word I used was underwhelming. And, you know, one thing I'll say is there's a lot of parity in the league. I mean, how many super teams would you say there are right now? We were debating this, and um, I was on Haley Salvin's show, and, and she was saying, well, there's, you know, a handful of good teams, and she kind of rattled off a few teams. And she even had New Jersey in the group, and I said, I'm not sure I'm sold on New Jersey as a super team. They're very, <laughs> they've been very strong, but I, I'm not going to put them with Colorado and Tampa and Boston and some of these other elite teams. And, and the Canadian teams are all in this middling group, right? Mm-hmm. Calgary, Edmonton, Toronto, Winnipeg. You kind of go, yeah, they're good teams. They're solid. But you wouldn't put them necessarily with the top four or five teams in the NHL. So it's been a really – it's been an underwhelming start to the Canadian teams. And, and you're right. In Ottawa, it's been an unmitigated disaster. And, and there's another situation where we're, we're waiting for something to happen. I'm not, I'm not necessarily thinking – uh, they're going to change their coaches, but I do think we're waiting for them to fix the blue line a little bit. And they have this embarrassment of riches up front, and they need to address the blue line. Hey, it's funny. It's a similar theme in Vancouver, similar theme in Toronto to some degree, similar theme in Ottawa where you have great young nucleus of forwards that yeah. you really want to build around, but you might have to sacrifice one of those forwards to get that real blue chip defenseman that you need. And in Toronto's case, they have their top three defensemen are out now with Morgan Riley, Muzzin, and T.J. Brody. Brody could be back in the next few days, but but Riley's now out for potentially six weeks. Is having a good blue line important in hockey? It feels like it <laughs> feels <laughs> feels like it is. I don't know. After all these years, it's it's maybe a conclusion that I'm coming to. Uh, David, thanks for the chat today. Thanks for joining us. If you watch the soccer game later on, I hope you enjoy it. 
And uh, we'll talk to you again next week. Go Canada. You guys are going to be watching, I hope. Oh, God. yeah. We are, we, we are all in. We're doing a pre-match show at 10 o'clock this morning Pacific at our live watch party at the Hollywood Theater. And then we're going to have a big watch party for Canada-Belgium at 11. So, oh, yeah, yeah, we're, yeah, we're all in day. on this one. We're all in, yeah. We're all in. No, it's great. You know what? This would be so nice for Canada. You guys, I don't know how old you are, but I was I was a teenager when Canada, their only other World Cup appearance, and it was it was exciting, but it was such a disappointment. They didn't score a goal, as you guys know, and mm-hmm. and it was a long wait. Kind of like we're waiting for a Stanley Cup champion to come to Canada. We're waiting, <laughs> you know, for this, and here we are, thirty six thirty six years later, we're finally good to go. So enjoy it, enjoy it, fellas. Yeah, you too. Thanks, David. Appreciate it. That's David Amber from Sportsnet, uh, Hockey Night Canada NHL host here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. As I mentioned, mid-hit with David Embers, soccer fever has swept the country, or at the very least, the Kintech studio. Uh, Japan, in what would be a second day of shock shock upsets. Yep. Japan is extra time away. We don't know how much time is added yet. By the way, have you noticed how much added time there's been? Yeah, in, it's crazy. In, well, it's not. No, it's I know. A, Did they warn us about this? Nope. That they was didn't a, warn us at a, like... I get why they're doing it. They're trying to cut down on the time wasting. Right. So what is happening now is referees are paying incredibly precise attention to the amount of time in a match that is lost to lengthy substitutions, goal celebrations, Mm -hmm. keepers holding the ball for long extended periods of time on goal kicks. And we are seeing more added time than ever before. For example... Germany and Japan, now in the 90th minute, with seven minutes of added. And I bet it might go further than that. Possibly, because there could be added time in the added time. Mm-hmm. We got in the matrix at that point. The Argentina, the Argentina-Saudi Arabia game, they said there's going to be this amount of ma- added time, and then there was like five extra Four, minutes. So. 14 total minutes of added time in that match. Which so. is crazy. Yeah. Uh, but listen, if Japan... Hold, holds on here mm-hmm. and beats Germany two to one. We're going to look at the standings just after a few days of World Cup action mm-hmm. and going like these are all over the place. Yes. Don't forget that Germany is in the same group with Spain. Costa Rica is the the minnow of the group, the one that's not expected to to get through. Japan was the kind of the one that was looking up at Germany and Spain and going, well, I guess we're going to have to get a result after off one or both of these if they're draws. Something us, Japan couldn't do against Canada in their final World <laughs> Cup friendly. For us to advance. Um, so that group suddenly gets very interesting because you're looking at it and going, wow, if Japan holds on here and Spain's in the group as well, right. Germany... Which, granted, came into this World Cup with not the highest expectations compared to the regular German teams, but they're still Germany. They're still expected to at least advance out of the uh, group stage. Uh, They could be looking at not qualifying. Mm -hmm. If you go to that Group C with Argentina, Saudi Arabia, Poland, and Mexico, Saudi Arabia is leading that group. That is the most unlikely thing Mm -hmm. to emerge from the first day in that group, the Saudis have three points. Obviously, Argentina has none. Poland and Mexico drew yesterday. A goalless draw. Yeah, there have already been a few uh, nil-nil draws. Lewandowski had a penalty saved by Ochoa yesterday. So, all of a sudden, you're looking at that group and going, Argentina's going to have to get results against Mexico and Poland now. Yep. They are. And, you know, here's the thing. Jason brings up a good point. This is not the quintessential German team by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, They weren't expected to contend. They were expected to be good, but that's about it. And right now, here's the thing. With the betting lines of the World Cup, it's... You almost have to take them with a grain of salt because so much of it is predicated on, I'm not going to lie, reputation and experience. Like, for example, Belgium and Canada have no head-to-head matchup history to go on. They're completely unfamiliar with one another. And by the way, we are in the added time in the Germany-Japan match, and Germany just had a penalty claim go to VAR and ultimately denied, so the Germans are still looking for the equalizer here. But again, with this match, Japan, at some sports books was a bigger underdog to beat Germany than Canada is today mm-hmm. to beat Belgium. And that doesn't make any sense because this is well, not – no, it doesn't because this is not a – again, this is not a classical German side. And this is a J- Japanese team that 
to be perfectly honest, can play with any of these. They're top 20 in the world. Is anyone better than Alfonso Davies on Japan? No, but collectively, they're a better team. In, ter- in, ter- the, in terms think- of reputation going in, I'm not, talking okay. about, I'm not talking about apples to oranges, Japan being compared to Canada. Canada beat Japan. We already vanquished them as a foe. I think there's they a are lot now of- beneath us forever for the rest of time. Don't you think but- there's a lot of people in the soccer world that actually do have some respect for this Canadian side because they saw what they did in qualifying? They didn't just sneak in. They won CONCACAF. They beat Mexico. I think, they yeah. beat the Americans. They know of players like... Alfonso Davies. Maybe I'm setting the, maybe I'm Davies. setting this up wrong. I'm trying to say that uh, we just had one of the biggest upsets in World Cup history yesterday. We've got a fairly significant World Cup upset brewing today, right? That's what I'm trying to say is that this is actually considered a bigger upset than Canada beating Belgium, at least according to some sports books. So I'm looking at it and saying. Give me more reason to believe. Give me more reason for optimism right, okay. today, right? Give me another shot at this because I've had a bunch of buddies who are following this closely texting me, and it, the, the, the line now is the wackiest World Cup ever, mm-hmm. right? Just because of the results that we've seen. And who knows what could happen yet? We haven't even seen a lot of the, the really big, prominent favorites play. For example, Brazil. We still haven't seen Brazil play at this tournament, right? And we're going to get to see Belgium today. We saw Croatia this morning. And I think a really interesting thing here, is yesterday you had two very different underdog stories play out. One in great fashion if you're the Canadians and one not so much. So what the Saudis did is almost unparalleled. It's it's, it's one of the greatest upsets in World Cup history. Australia went into their match yesterday with France as a gigantic underdog. Very low expectations to get a result against a French team that is just loaded despite all the injuries. Wonder start for the Socceroos, for the Aussies, right? It was an amazing start. I've got a question for you. Yeah. Considering how it started for the Aussies and how it finished with Mm -hmm. them losing 4-1 to France, would you take that result for Canada against Belgium today? Because you would have that moment where Canada scores its opening goal and and takes the lead on Belgium. First World Cup goal ever. Now it would fall apart, but you would have that moment. Yeah. No. Because the game... The result was one thing. A 4-1 loss is fairly lopsided. But here's the crazy thing. Where Argentina showed signs of being rattled for what the Saudis did to them, France got scored on in the 13th minute, and the defender, Hernandez, actually blew out his knee trying to defend it. So they lost a member of their starting 11 and went down 1-0 early, and it was like nothing happened to them. Like they were completely unfazed. It's like the, the, the French knew the entire match that unless they conceded eight goals, they were going to beat Australia because they pounded Australia from there. Mm-hmm. It didn't change their approach. It didn't panic them. It didn't fluster them. They just went out and kept playing, and they knew that they were better. And I, so I would if put it this way. If Canada gets off to a dream start against the Belgians, which is like scoring in the first 20 minutes, sure, you know, really showing that you can go one-on-one with some of their slower backs and getting a goal, I, my internal hope is that that kind of flusters a Belgian team mm-hmm. that has high expectations. I'm looking, like, yeah. I'm looking for the same type of result um, or experience that I mentioned yesterday when I first started believing in this Canadian team mm-hmm. when they went down to Azteca yeah. and played the Mexicans. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, Canada looks like they belong here. One of the good things about Canada and qualifying is they never looked overwhelmed by the moment. Because there were some big moments. They 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 were trailing in a bunch of the games early on that both they the ended games, up winning. Both the games in the U.S. and in Mexico, which are tough environments mm-hmm. in CONCACAF. They went down 1-0 and came back to draw. And then when Mexico and the U.S. came to Canada, they outscored them by a combined 4-1 in those two matches, the one in Hamilton and the one in Edmonton. So that gives me a lot of hope that Canada on the big stage isn't going to be completely overwhelmed. As far as the big stage, we are way up against it for time. We're paying no attention to clock management whatsoever, but that's okay because it's a special day. Coming up next, we're going to go to Qatar. We're going to talk to Peter Galindo from Sportsnet. We'll get the end of this Germany-Japan match. Germany has now sent their keeper, Michael Neuer, forward, and that is it. It is final. Look at the celebrations. My word, the Japanese are going absolutely mental right now. A a stunning victory, one of the biggest in their federation's history. Japan beats Germany 2-1 as the wacky World Cup, the World Cup of upsets, continues from Qatar. We'll go to Qatar next with Peter Galindo. Don't go anywhere. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. This is the best of Halford and Bruff. Download the full show through Apple, Google, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.